September 7th has been marked on my calendar for weeks and even months as we've thought about preparing for this day and preparing for the future of our church. And I'm excited finally to be able to share some of this with you that the elders and others have been working on for all this time. You know, I think we have a tendency in our lives to want to get in certain things arranged and straight and just as we want it and then leave it alone. We do that in our houses, right? We might work for years to get everything decorated just right, everything remodeled, get the furniture in place, get everything just as it should be, and then we want to just leave it. Now there's a problem with that. The world around us keeps changing, doesn't it? I mean, it, it starts to rain, and it gets hot, and then it gets cold, and then roofs wear out, and things go out of style. And we might have changed needs as the kids grow up and suddenly we don't need a bedroom for a six-year-old girl anymore. We need one for a 15-year-old girl. Or she moves out and we need a guest room. Things change and suddenly we're forced to rethink whether this plan that seemed so perfect at one time maybe is not as perfect as it once was. Television industry saw this at work many years ago. In the early 70s, the big three, CBS, NBC, and ABC, had it locked up, right? If you watched news, you watched the evening news. If you watched entertainment, most of the entertainment that anybody cared about was on one of those three channels, one of those three networks. And it seemed like they were in control. They had us, the American public, where they wanted us. I mean, we all had color television sets, and that was awesome, and it was just great. And then the cable industry came, and everything changed. And we have so many things that are available to us, so many more options than we used to have. We can get news anytime we want it. We can get a weather report anytime we want it. We can watch a show about history. We can watch a show about nature. We can watch a show about fixing up your house or cooking, or there's entertainment, there's movies, there's kids programming, all the time it changed everything and those entertainment corporations those media corporations had to adapt adapt dramatically and adapt quickly to continue and you know the truth is as hard as it is for us sometimes the church faces similar challenges I mean, we can get things just the way we want them. We can work really hard to change programming and get classes in place and have an option for going out and visiting people and taking care of the sick and get the building just like we want it. And then what happens? The world around us changes. And we as the church are forced to rethink our strategy. The message is the same. Jesus died to save us from our sins. He offers us eternal life. He loves us. There's forgiveness and grace. That's the same. But as the world around us changes, we're forced to rethink, are we communicating that in the best way? Are we training people to share it in the best way? Are we the church that we need to be in the midst of that culture? And so for the past several months, the elders... And I have been thinking about, okay, what do we do with that? What do we do with a world that's changing dramatically? And we see ourselves in a great place. This year, this church celebrated its 50th anniversary. And it's healthy, and it's growing. So what we do is not say, hey, we got something that's broken that we got to fix. What we say is, We've got a great foundation that's been laid by many years of service by many of you in the room right now. 
through giving and, and work and ministry. And we take that and we build on it to be the church that God is calling us to be in the future. So in April, our elders gathered for a weekend sort of mini-retreat. And we spent some time talking about the future of our church. But I want you to know it wasn't just sort of, hey, let's show up and think about, hey, what I want the church to be or what this person wants the church to be. We spent about a month preparing for that retreat. Uh, every day we had something to read or something to watch on video or maybe listen to an audio, something to pray about, some scripture to read, all sorts of things to, to get us to a place where we could talk about how can we do ministry even better than it's been done here in the past. Again, not to fix something that's broken, but to make something that's great even greater. And so we gathered and we talked about that. At the time, I was preaching through a series on Deuteronomy. It was early in, a, in our time together. And we came to some passages that really were at the core of, of the Jewish faith. Deuteronomy chapter 6, that talks about loving God and how important that is. And then we listened to a talk during that time that was based on Mark chapter 12, in which Jesus quotes that very verse. And those verses spoke into what we were thinking about the future of Taylorville Christian Church. And I want to share some of that with you today. We find those verses in Mark chapter 12. What's going on, it's a very familiar passage. Jesus was sort of in this debating time with the Sadducees, this group of, of Jewish leaders that did not believe in the resurrection. And so they continually came to Jesus and tried to challenge him on his belief that people would be raised from the dead. They thought that sounded ridiculous. And they would ask questions like, okay, let's pretend that, that you're married and your spouse dies and you get married again, and, and then in the resurrection you're all alive again, so who's married? Jesus answered that. Well, Jesus said there's, there's no giving or receiving in marriage in the resurrection, and, and so they're back and forth on these issues. And another teacher of the law sort of overhears Jesus' response. He says, that's, that's pretty good stuff. And so he has this question for Jesus. A question that a lot of teachers ask because in the Old Testament, they counted 613 instructions, laws. Some negative, thou shalt not, and some positive, thou shalt. But 613 altogether. And so their question was, you know, it's hard to remember 613 separate commands, right? How do we... How do we boil that down? Not that we're forgetting any of them or saying that one's not important, picking and choosing, but are there any themes? Can we say maybe there's one command that all the, all the rest grow out of? Is there some way to identify the, the one that really is the key to understanding the rest of them? And so he said, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? The most important? And we find Jesus' answer in Mark chapter 12, verse 29, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And I'm guessing that at this point the man was thinking, okay, that makes sense. And then Jesus went on and gave more of an answer than the man was really asking for. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now the first one, 
That's the one back in Deuteronomy. We talked about that together back in the spring and, and late winter. Love the Lord your God. It starts with this. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Why is that important? Because they lived in the day when the cultures around them worshipped many gods. The gods of the sun, and the god of the moon, the, the god of harvest, the god of fertility, the god of wine. All these things. And the people of Israel understood because God had revealed this to them, there was and is one God. And He deserves our complete devotion. We don't need to appease this broad range of gods and hope they're all happy with us, and maybe if they're not, the more powerful God will be on my side, and the less powerful God will be on your side, and I will be victorious. No. There is one God. And He's a loving God just, powerful God that deserves our trust, deserves our faith, deserves our life. And how do we respond to that God? Love Him with everything you've got. With your intellect, what you think, your brain power, with your strength, with your soul, your, your inner being, with your heart, the seat of your emotion, everything you have is God. Now again, my guess is this man's going, preach it. Amen. That's right, Jesus. Just what Moses said. You got it right. I mean, we can, if we take that, then all 612 other commands grow out of that because if we're devoted to God, we're going to do the right thing and we're going to give Him everything we possibly can. And then Jesus continued and quoted Leviticus 19.18. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's more difficult. Because you see, my, my neighbor is not always loving and always forgiving. My neighbor is not always righteous. My neighbor is not always interested in, in what's best for me. My neighbor's not always pleasant to be around. And yet, Jesus says, love God. Love the people around you. Love your neighbor. And there's no command greater than this. Now that's a difficult command for us who live in a sort of a self-centered culture. One commentator said that Jesus here is speaking to sinners who are in love with themselves. And that speaks to most of us, doesn't it? We know we're not perfect, and yet we love ourselves. Now, that's sort of sometimes corrupted in our culture, even among Christian teaching. It was big news this week. Maybe you saw it. Um, one of the teachers in one of the biggest churches in our nation said these words that I think fly in the face of everything Jesus says here, but it's popular and it's easy to hear because it focuses not on God, but on us. She said this, I just want to encourage every one of us to realize when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. I mean, that's one way to look at it. We're doing it for ourselves. Because God takes pleasure when we're happy. That's the thing that gives Him the greatest joy. So I want you to know this morning, just do good for your own self. Do good because God wants you to be happy. When you come to church, when you worship Him, you're not doing it for God, really. 
You're doing it for yourself. Because that's what makes God happy. Amen? No, not amen. You see, what does that do? It takes everything that Jesus says here. To love God with everything you have. To be so sold out on God you can't think of anything else. And it turns it around and says, no, this is not about God. It's about me. It's about my life being easy. It's about me being happy. And if God fits into that, great. But I can't just worship God because He's God. Back to Jesus and this man. The man responds to Jesus. Wow, I mean, you're right. God is one. And we're called to love God. And he had to acknowledge that this command was scriptural and that Jesus was right. To love your neighbor as yourself. You've given a good answer. And how does Jesus respond to that? Verse 34, when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. It's an interesting answer. Jesus could have just said, well, good, I'm, I'm glad you see what I'm trying to do here. Or Jesus could have said, well, well said, I appreciate that. Jesus said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You see, very late here in Jesus' ministry, he's looking back. Because at the very beginning of his ministry, Mark tells us that Jesus came preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. You see, he's all about what does it look like when God's in charge? What does it look like when, when God is on the throne? This is what it looks like. Love the Lord your God with everything you are. And love your neighbor as yourself. And when we sort of took that as elders and a minister and thought about how does that apply to our church, it's simple. Love God. Love others. Love God love others. And when we think about what we have been called to do as Christians and as the church, I don't know that it can be said any more simply or any more clearly than that. So we've been thinking of ways over the past several months, how, how do we become known as a church that loves, lo loves God and loves others? How, how do we be a church? That's more important. How can we become the kind of church that even more clearly than ever in the past says we're all about loving God and loving others? That that's at the heart of this church. That when someone thinks of Taylorville Christian Church, they think, man, that's a church that is sold out to God. That's a church that loves God with everything they've got, and it's clear that they love people. Because they're active in showing that love to the people of this community and beyond, even throughout the world, through our missions. So how do we take that and put it into practice? How do we make that something that's part of who we are? 
that governs our whole future. We're thinking about ways to express that. You can see it on the screen now. That's why I'm wearing the shoes, just so you know. I won't wear them every week. Don't get worried. Okay? I can't wear them every week because I probably won't be able to walk after this morning. But anyway, don't tell the younger crowd that. Love God. Love others. And we want you to to help us with that a little bit. After our second service, many of you are prepared, I know, because you're wearing your white shirts, okay? We're going to take a photo. And uh, I was thinking about how do we... How do we express this? We're going to do a new church directory. You can see a handout on that in your bulletin. How do we express that as a church? I mean, we can put a picture of the building, but the the building's not the church, right? Who's the church? We are, right. And how do we express our mission? And so after our second service, so either go eat breakfast and come back or go to Sunday school, even better, and, and stay till after that, we're going to gather on the North Lawn. It's marked off, and we're going to spell out those words as people. Love God, love others, and take a photo from overhead. So I hope you'll be part of that a little bit later. But we want it to be more than just this one day, okay? There's also a little handout in your bulletin that talks about how you can do that. We've got a couple examples. The shoes are one, and then I was just in a restaurant. I thought, how do you express this and just wrote it on a cup? I think we got a picture of that up there. But ways that you can do, think of ways that you can creatively communicate that and just take a little picture with your phone or whatever and, and we'll, we'll post these and there's instructions on how to do that. But I want us to think about how do we express that and we'll show some of these pictures in church as well. But it's not just expressing it, is it? We can come up with a slogan, we can come up with, oh yeah, love God, love others, that sounds good, put it on the billboard, move on with life. But the question is, how do we take that and put it into the, the everyday life of us as a church? So we thought, all right, let's, let's break this down a little bit. If a church loves God, what does that church do? What does that look like? And we came up with five things that clearly communicate that we love God. And I'm going to talk about them briefly. I won't spend a lot of time because that's what we're going to do over the next 10 weeks is talk about each one of these in more detail. The first one is it deepens its relationship with God. If we love God, then what are we going to do? We're going to pursue a relationship with God. That's what we do, right? If we love another person, we deepen that relationship with that person. And this one's sort of overarching, and I think a lot of the ones that follow sort of help build into this. But Clearly, if we love God, we are going to pursue God. How do we do that? Second one, worships God passionately. Now that looks different for different people, doesn't it? I mean, there are some people who are going to have their hands up and eyes closed, and you can just almost see the worship in their eyes. And there are other people who, you know, just the way we worship, the way we are, may not look like they're worshiping God passionately. But that's what's going on in their heads. But it's more than just this room. Worshiping God passionately should extend to all of life. We can't just worship one hour a week. If we love God with all we are, heart, mind, soul, strength, everything, then it has to extend into life. And our work becomes worship because we're doing it not just for ourselves, Not just to make money, but to bring glory to God. Third, if a church loves God, it cares about His creation. And God called us to be stewards of what He made. 
And so we want to do that. We don't want to take all this for granted that God has given us. We want to treat it carefully. And even the, the piece of creation that we as a church own together, this building, this property, we want to maintain it and make it beautiful because it's God's and He's blessed us with it. Fourth one, if a church loves God, they're going to talk to God. They're going to pray. And prayer is not just about us telling God what we want. It's about praising God. It's about opening our hearts up to God so that He can speak into our lives. It is about taking our needs to Him. But all those things together. And then the fifth one, it honors His Word. We take this seriously. Our teaching comes from God's Word because it's God's Word. We could find some you know, helpful, helpful hints for a healthy life in lots of different places, but they wouldn't be God's Word. So we took those five. A church that loves God, those five things sum it up. But what about a church that loves people, that loves others? What does that look like? Again, five things quickly. It introduces people to Jesus. I mean, if we're a church that understands just how powerful the gift of forgiveness and salvation are, how could we possibly say, well, you know what, if somebody wants that, they're welcome to come in, but we're not really going to be too worried about taking it out there. If we love other people, we want them to know the saving message of Jesus Christ. We can't keep it to ourselves. And so we introduce people to Jesus. Second, we build Christian community. We need each other. It's not good enough to come in this room once a week and then sort of do our thing and then leave, and that's the only connection we have. We need each other if we're going to be healthy Christians. We need to depend on each other. We need to build into each other. We need community. Third, strengthens families. So many times the most important relationships in our lives are family relationships. How do we help couples come together and build a healthy marriage? How do we help parents sort of raise their kids in a way that pleases God and, and helps them to be healthy as well? How do we value families and help them to grow? Fourth, put others first. Scripture's so full of times when we see a command to recognize the needs of others. Love your neighbor as yourself. God made those other people. He values them. And then finally, serves those in need. And that's related to the last one, but it puts it into action. There are people all around us in need. Some have a financial need. Some of them have an emotional or spiritual need. But it's part of our job as a church to identify those needs and meet them. So we had a team. For each one of those statements, to sit down and think about, okay, a church that loves God deepens its relationship with God. Okay, how do we do that? And so we got a report back from each one of those teams, and, and then we've sort of boiled some of that down, and there's themes that, are, that sort of ran all the way through those vision team meetings that we had. And we're culling through that and developing more plans even as we talk. But I'll be showing you some of the things that each of those teams developed as we move through the next 10 weeks. And I'm excited to do that because there was a lot of work put into those reports. And many of you were part of some of those teams that developed that. And I appreciate the time that you put into them. So we're going to spend some time as a church thinking about, okay, 
what does this look like? Because I don't want this to be a, you know, a grand and glorious day in which we say this is who we are and then we don't do anything to fulfill it. Because that's just wasted breath. We want to be a church that clearly loves God and loves others. A couple of ways to remind you. First of all, the, the cards in the bulletin. Second, we have these green bracelets that say, very simply, Taylorville Christian Church, love God, love others. I want you to take one home as a reminder, a reminder to think about what does that look like in your life? What does that look like in your role in our church? To remind you to think of creative ways to communicate this, there's going to be someone standing at each one of our exits today, and I'd love for you to take one of those bracelets with you so it'll be a reminder. If you need one that's a little larger, there's some that are on the table in the back, so feel free to take one of those if your wrist is a little bigger around like mine is. Also, we have a new logo that tries to express some of who we are, and you're going to see that around more and more. You've already seen it some this morning. We'll be using that in lots of places. It's clearly on our new website. If you haven't been to the new website, it's live as well. Lots of ways to communicate what we're trying to do. Now, here's what it boils down to. Imagine a church that truly loves God and loves others. So much so that the people in the community surrounding that church see it and know it. What kind of impact could that church make? How many people could be brought to Jesus because that church is so sold out on this mission? What kind of eternal impact would there be because of that kind of church? I firmly believe that this is a church who's been heading in that direction for many, many years. And a church that continued to grow in that. Let's get together on this. Let's get sold out. Love God. Love others. Let's pray. God, thanks for the way you've been at work in this community of faith for more than 50 years. God, thank you for being at work in us over the past few months as we prayed and thought and planned and brainstormed. God, we want to be the church you've called us to be. We all have ideas and we all have thoughts and things that we like in a church and none of that matters. What matters is being the church that you want us to be. So lead us, continue to lead us to be that church. Help us to love you with everything we've got and to allow that love for you to overflow into our love for others. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.